guys, this is Daniel Mouncey, a.k.a. Dr. D, and we're, we have a very special guest here. We're here today with the author of our spec, uh, Spectroscopy, Tom Fields. He's also the contributing editor to Sky and Telescope magazine. Um, Tom, thanks so much for joining my, uh, our program here. And it's really a pleasure to have you. And I, it's really funny because I have to, I can't help. I got to think, you know, think back here. I think it must've been around 2010. I think it was the Pacific, uh, astronomy telescope show Pats in, uh, Pasadena, California. That's I right. I think it was around 2010 or something. And you were, your enthusiasm was just so infectious. And, and I remember you, 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 it's just interesting because, you know, most amateurs, uh, in our industry, are interested in, in colorful pictures and stuff, but you see colors in another way that are that I just think is so fundamentally important. And um, I've I've read a lot about and done a lot of research on spectroscopy myself. So it's just such a pleasure to have you. And I think what's really fascinating is that you found an affordable, you, you know, way for people to do this stuff, even from the city, right? I mean, yeah, exactly. I, you know, you're right. I think we first met back at. The Pats conference in LA. I was just getting started then, and I think the main yeah. thing, main thing I had going for me then was my enthusiasm, which hasn't flagged. It's still as strong because, yeah. uh, surprisingly, ten years later, I'm as excited as I was back then, and uh, yeah. I think that's because uh, it's just so stunning to be able to take a small telescope or a, just even a standalone DSLR on a tracking mount, mount mm. a inexpensive grating on the front of it, and then capture. Mm. A, a colorful spectrum that looks like a rainbow of the star and and do the kinds of analysis that professionals in the past have only been able to do that's right and that, absolutely yeah so and it's it's fascinating if we could get i mean i, I know that's been your like your mission to get more amateurs involved in spectroscopy it's a very fascinating uh field of, of science you know well it is i i think a lot of us got into astronomy uh again years ago many of us did some imaging over the years and and mm -hmm. maybe got a little jaded with imaging there's always something new to do yeah. in imaging and there's always some new exciting object to capture but uh these days i think amateurs are looking for new ways to use the equipment they already have and, and others are just saying hey i've never imaged I haven't been that interested in imaging, but I'd like to do some science with my equipment. How can I do that? And right. and so by by uh, providing a tool that lets amateurs uh, capture spectra, I think the thing for me that has had the most impact in my life doing spectroscopy is that mm -hmm. although I'd, I'd read a lot of science over the years about star types and temperatures and things, it really wasn't the kind of knowledge that I used on a day-to-day -day basis. And I didn't remember a lot of it, didn't understand a lot of it, but I, what I found mm -hmm. is when I, that first night I went out, I was, I, I live in Seattle. I'm about four miles from downtown Pike Place Market. and went out in my right. backyard with my, my C8 and, uh, and you know, I came in at midnight, I had grass stains on my knees because I was imaging Vega. This was, mm -hmm. uh, again, I was not, uh, in a dark sky site, I wasn't using a big telescope. In fact, I was just using a, a crummy old webcam for a camera. And I came, right. I came in when I processed that specter and I, I could see that I could detect some of the, the elements on the star, uh, the hydrogen. It was, for me, it was as exciting as that first image I captured of the moon, 
so many years ago that was out of focus uh, you know my tracking wasn't good and still to me that was like a mona lisa that was i was showing that to my wife to my friends at work and people were you know they they raised their eyebrows like they often do to me amateurs when we uh when we get excited about things that people aren't familiar with but for me having that scientific data in my hand and be, it being my own data gave me mm-hmm. new incentive to go and actually read up on things I'd read before but never really had the hooks to hang that information on but now I could go to wikipedia or I could go to some magazine article uh, you know in, in astronomy magazine or sky and telescope and when I read something I could go, oh you know that's right I I I've captured some hydrogen lines. I understand what they're talking about here. And so conceptually, I mm-hmm. I had the framework to to understand what I was doing and to remember and understand things I was reading about. So it's really been for me it's deepened my understanding of the skies and frankly even when I'm just out visual observing now, I right. find that having that that understanding at the eyepiece makes it much deeper and exciting experience. You know that to me has personally been uh my experience as well and I I want to just shed some my own personal feelings on that because I really vehemently believe that as well and I think one of the things you know working in this industry as long as I have which is like 28 years now mm-hmm. is that I one of the things that I've tried to to dispel from many enthusiasts is that they they feel like they can't do any kind of interesting observations or or science or contribute to science from a city you know and there are ways of doing this and i think that's what's fascinating is you found in, inexpensive ways to do it and and by the way the scope that you mentioned i think you said it was a c8 you were using yeah. correct yes. so for 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 people who for enthusiasts who are listening to this podcast who are not familiar that that scope you can buy you know for you know the tube assembly on second hand for as little as $400 you know so and then mounted on uh, you know with a mount you know for a very affordable price yeah and even the 6-inch telescope uh it's it's amazing what's available and and the other thing i think that has been very appealing uh when i've talked with uh imagers uh, you know and i go to a variety of conferences uh after the the past conference that i first met you at and i was uh very fortunate that uh fair at woodland hills i yeah. called her literally i called her up out of the blue she didn't know me and i said hey i've got this uh cool way of capturing star spectra and she asked me a few questions and she said i said to her you know do you have some space where i could hang out at your booth she said come on down oh, i've got yeah. space for you and she was very yeah. accommodating and that of course. that openness to new ideas uh and to helping out the community uh with with you know podcasts like this and other kinds of publications as well as the kinds of information that that mm-hmm. uh the the store makes available to people really is is a big deal to me and uh very significant and so what i've found is as i've talked with amateurs you know conferences like the neef conference or the advanced imaging conference or uh i had the good fortune to go to the winter star party down in florida uh, right is imagers are frustrated these days of course we are aware that uh, the light pollution in cities is increasing and it makes it more and more difficult to image but uh spectroscopy is surprisingly immune to yeah. city lights in fact one of the premier spectroscopists uh, that's a yeah. that's a mouthful uh, one of the premier observers of spectra is right. a gentleman in France 
who actually was a pioneer in the CCD and telescope world. Uh, called his name is a Christian Will. He does a lot of very significant and advanced spectroscopy from his apartment in Paris. So light pollution doesn't cause as much of a problem because when we're doing uh, science with spectra, we don't we're not as concerned about light balance and you know contrast. The right. main thing we want to do is just get the photons and then see what we can observe from the data. So it's it's much more relaxing for me because. Yeah, I plus you don't, I... you don't have to deal with like these challenges that imagers have with these long exposures and exactly. vibration here and there. It's so for, much more forgiving I, in that regard and aspect. Oh yeah. Well, the the thing that happened, I think, that uh, really opened the field up was uh, the early webcams, literally 10, 15, 20 years ago, even. But 10 yeah. years ago, when I first started doing it. I literally just slapped an inexpensive camera on my telescope. Now, astronomical cameras, uh, of course, there's lots of video cameras out there, and they're right. wonderful for capturing images of the moon and the planets, and these days even some dark sky objects. But um, my experience has been that uh, if I if I start when I'm doing outreach or when I'm uh, uh, when somebody's just starting out fresh, if they have a video camera,、um, yeah, you know, I always suggest that they start with that because. There's a there's a real excitement in seeing a live image at your telescope as opposed to processing it later. Yeah, there is. I hundred percent agree. Yeah. So it's so yeah. From old hearted. Yeah. Well, not only the excitement of an, the immediate experience, but also、uh, the the immediate feedback that you get with a video feed means that all the things that are a nuisance, like did I get my focus right? Is the exposure level right? Am I pointed at the right object? All those problems almost disappear because you see it right on your screen in real time, and so you can、right. you can make adjustments. In fact, that's why the software is called RSpec is because originally, I created it for use、uh, for real time spectroscopy with a video camera. Now it does fits images, cooled fits cameras, or、uh, you know almost any imaging camera that people use on stars. They can also、right. use、uh, with my software, but but that immediate feedback because I mean I have to confess I'm a software guy. I'm、right. not an astrophysicist. I'm not a theoretician. I'm not an optics designer, and I don't have the the patience or the skill or, frankly, the money to have some deep、right. sky site where I'm capturing images that are <laughs> hours long. Nor、right. do I have the patience or, frankly, the eye. You know, I, I mean,、uh, here's a confession. I'll read some of these books that talk about here's a great processing step. To、right. enhance the balance in this, you know, in this image of the sombrero galaxy, some distant、right. galaxy,、of、and、course. I look at the before and after image, and I go,、yeah. maybe I can see、yeah. a difference. <laughs> so, so on the other hand, there's people who do that all the time and get an enormous joy out of it and learn a lot. So I don't mean to throw those people under the bus. It, you、of、know,、course. different strokes for different folks. Yeah. But for me, because I didn't have those skill sets. Uh, or the time, or the money, or the dark sky side. I wanted something that I could do while I was, you know, in my backyard in the city. Now, that's not to say if you're sitting underneath bright、mm-hmm. lights at a football field at the local high school, you're <laughs> going to be able to capture a lot of interesting spectrum. Of course, but yeah, but unlike, I mean, if you think about the night sky from the city, from a suburban area where you can see some stars, there's、sure. going to be, you know, a fair number of stars and. It, many of those will have different spectra. Some are hot stars, some are cool stars, and so by capturing a spectrum of them and seeing the differences, you're teasing out information and enjoyment out of a of a light polluted sky, which、right. is really wonderful experience. You know, and so and the other thing too, and I and I do emphasize that is that it's affordable, and so 
um, you know, one of the like in imaging, you know, for colorful pictures, you know, you have to get a nice, you know, really stable mount, and just so fundamentally, there's like all these other technical challenges you have to endure. Now, I'm just uh, curious because now you use Shellac uh, products, I think. Is that what you, you have a variety of products? And I know that I think you've used the Star Analyzer. I think it's a like hundred line. There's a two hundred line, right? Do you have any thoughts on the Star Analyzer as far as? Its functionality, or as far from you know, from a visual standpoint, of any thoughts or comments on that? Well, the Star Analyzer is a grading uh, that that we sell, and it's uh, there are a couple different varieties of gratings uh, that are available depending on the telescope and the setup, uh, the camera size and things like that. The right. great it, uh, the great thing about the Star Analyzer grading is it's mounted in an inch and a quarter grade uh, grading filter a uh, filter cell, excuse me. Right, and so. Anywhere where somebody has threaded on a filter onto their telescope uh, or can onto their onto their camera, like a you know a, a what a, a light pollution filter or a nebula filter or you know whatever the filter is, this is this threads onto the same threads, and so it's easy to put on. And it's I think right. you're right. I, uh, I think one of the misconceptions people have had over the years is that mm -hmm. well. Visual imaging is hard, so scientific imaging should be harder because you right. know they they're more exacting. In this case, I'm I am such a sloppy guy, meaning that right. I break hardware. The reason I love being in software is that edit undo. I can undo ah. mistakes easily. Not so much with hardware. So I like to keep it as simple as I can. And there's nothing simpler than just threading a, a inch and a quarter uh, filter onto my camera and going out and imaging. So it is it's an easy grading to use. And as you said, it's a fairly inexpensive uh, grading. It's uh, you know less than two hundred dollars and um, easy to set up uh, and easy to use. And the thing is, you can take it off and then do other other activities. So it's not like some complicated setup that you're stuck with once you decide you want to try it out. Yeah, the Sh and the Shellac's a good uh, product. Uh, we have a friend of ours, Oscar, over at UCLA. He he specializes also in, in spectroscopy, and he he loves those star analyzers. You know. And uh, it's, it's just an inexpensive way to and you thread the thing on. Yes, Shellac is one of the distributors of the Star Analyzer. And the uh, the thing with the Star Analyzer is it doesn't have a slit. Now, a professional grade spectrometer is going to have a slit, which adds additional quality to the data. Unfortunately, mm -hmm. a slit's not inexpensive. Uh, right. The Shellac slit spectrometers that they manufacture themselves uh, yeah. Are you know on the order of you know a thousand to thousands of dollars. Uh, typically, to getting started is a is you know about two thousand dollars. And the the thing about that is, uh, al along with the slit comes a, a lot of added complexity. Uh, you have to be able to track on uh, on a very exact uh, slit that's you know twenty microns uh, across Sorry. most. Almost Fraction. nobody starts out with the high-end equipment. I think most people go, let me dip my toe in the water and, and see if I like it and sort of get get to know what it's all about. And then if I get excited, then I can step up to more high-end gear, pretty much the way we do uh, visual imaging. Typically, people don't go out and buy the $20,000 telescope installation out of the gate. They, they try an inexpensive thing and see see how it works for them and, and learn how to use right. it before stepping up. Now, do you notice... You know, what is your opinion like? I, I would imagine from time to time you must get emails and calls or things of that sort. But is it, is it just a different type of enthusiast that you deal with? I mean, 
Have you ever like converted a, a astro imager to <laughs> spectroscopy? Oh yeah. Well, that, it's it's you know it, they don't jump out completely out of imaging. People, you know, it's their first yeah. love, and understandably, it, it, right. it gives it gives us all an enormous amount of joy to yeah. tease from the photons, you know, a few photons, some spectacular image. And I think right. you know all of us looking at images, it, they cap you know just in general for those of us who are astronomy enthusiasts. Yeah. Looking at the night sky, whether it's visually or through a camera, it, it captures our imagination, the size and yeah. the times and the distance that are involved in these things. Uh, but a lot of people who are imagers will, as, as a secondary activity, when they're in the city, they can roll their telescope out onto their driveway or they mm -hmm. have an observatory in their backyard. Uh, they'll do some spectroscopy, they'll screw a grating on and capture some spectra. And, and uh, I think most people who get involved in this have done some imaging on their own uh, beforehand. On the other hand, there are people who come to us and go, uh, you know, I've never been much, uh, you know, I've done some visual observing right. and I want to do some science. How can I do science? And they jump right into this. Right. That's what I was going to say to you is that I think there are, and I, I mean, I've met it myself, the enthusiasts who just do want to contribute to science. Now, I would imagine some you know, APSO, the American Association of Variable Star Observers, who I've known for, for many, many years and actually contributed some observations to them as well, myself. Uh -huh. um, do most of your, do your observations go to APSO or do you do you um, work with any uh, other organizations too? Well, our RSpec software will uh, create files that can be uploaded. Yeah, the AVSO is a wonderful organization. Yeah, uh, amazing. And yeah, uh, and Stella Kafka there, who's uh, the director, is uh, her background is as a professional scientist, and uh, she's done a lot of spectroscopy in her career. And right. her, she, as well as Arnie, uh, her predecessor, have always recognized that the AVSO is as a, a organization for citizen scientists who wanted to contribute to the broader scientific efforts of professionals uh, should be doing some spectroscopy. And over the last year or two, they right. really upped their efforts in that. In fact, uh, they now have an online database that mm -hmm. amateurs can contribute their spectra to, much like uh, their photometry database, which is uh, you know, very well known and highly respected in the professional community and has contributed a lot of scientific information to professional publications. Uh, spectroscopy right. is the same thing. Uh, right. They're headed that direction this fall. For people who are interested, the AVSO is doing a, a, at their um, annual meeting in Boston uh, in November. They're doing nice. uh, some workshops. I'll be participating in and Wonderful. doing a workshop on uh, our, spec, uh, our software and how to get started. So it's a great organization. If people aren't uh, participating with photometry, they can still participate and submit spectra from our software. Now, there's another database mm -hmm. in France called the BESS database. Uh, and it's been around for longer, uh, and it also has a, a large number of uh, contributors who are uh, making contributions, which often get used by, <clears throat> excuse me, by professionals. So right. there is definitely an opportunity for amateurs to contribute to uh, the the scientific efforts that are being made worldwide. Now. Is there any particular, this is so interesting, is there any particular star system or subject or something that you find particularly fascinating? I mean, I know the absorption lines and certain types of stars, you know, uh, spectral classes is different than others, you know? Is there sure. any particular subject you like or find fascinating? Well, the, 
Yeah, there's one in particular uh, that has always captured my attention and many people who get started with the star analyzer using the RSpec software like, and that is uh, distant quasars. Oh, yeah. You know, I think think quasars are, you know, always capture our imagination. Oh, yeah. Because... You know, they're they're such astonishing objects. You know, with a black hole in the middle, and yeah. uh, there's uh, the the first quasar that was observed was uh, uh, observed in the uh, observed and understood was uh, in the uh, '60s, and yeah. it's still observable. Uh, still, it will be for a long time. You're probably time. talking about three C two seven three in Virgo. That, that's exactly what I'm speaking of. Yeah, yeah. and the cool thing is with. Uh, an eight-inch telescope and a star analyzer grading, it, it takes some integration. It takes about 15 minutes of exposure yeah. time of, at a relatively dark sky site. So it's not a an urban object, but amateurs routinely are able to capture the spectra yeah. of it. And the exciting thing about observing it is uh, because it is so far away, it's uh, more than a billion light years away, right. uh, the cosmological red shift is, is evident. You can look at it right. and, and see the shift. People haven't, Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. For people who haven't seen what what this kind of analysis looks like, basically, it just looks like what you see from a a, a grading spectroscope of when you have like a star analyzer screwed on your telescope is a rainbow. Right. It just looks like a rainbow with the colors that go what Roy G. Bibb, red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, violet. Yeah. It looks like a rainbow. Sometimes, if you look carefully, you can see there's a little gap in the rainbow, and uh, what what my software does is simply present that the way that scientists look at it in a graph where you see dips where the light gets dimmer. Right. And so those dips are a result of something that's going on at that distant object. And oftentimes it's absorption because of hydrogen uh, on, on the star or uh, surrounding the object. In this case, uh, as you were saying, the yeah. because of the redshift, the dips are sh- are slid significantly to the side right. of where they would be when you observe a local object, and it's it's clear as day uh, when you look at it on your screen. And for me, it's one of those aha moments where you go, "Oh my oh, god, yeah. I have now observed that." <laughs> it brings you know, me back to Milton Hummison and Edwin Hubble. You know, it's like, oh, that's right. That, yeah. Exactly right. And, and and that's again referring back to something I was saying earlier. Yeah. Like a lot of us, I had read about, you know, Hubble and, you know, some of the distance measurements that were being done and cosmological expansion, which, uh, you know, was uh, uh, the subject of a Nobel Prize sure. uh, recently. And for, and they use they use quasars uh, as part of that research as a distance measuring object as part of the light ladder to yeah. uh, or distance ladder to uh, observe and determine the distance of objects. And for for me or for you know an amateur uh, of any sort yeah. to be able to to capture some of that data themselves yeah. now again the i don't want to oversell there. this i mean sure. we're amateurs we have small small telescopes uh, limited yeah. skills uh, you know skies that aren't perfect so it's not that we're going to duplicate all the professional research that gets done but to be able to contribute to it yeah uh, in some way to, yeah you can in some way or just as a, as being able i think a lot of what amateurs do uh, in spectroscopy is they duplicate things that have been done in the past as part of their learning process. Yeah. They go, well, let's see. Uh, I mean, an, an inter- a really interesting story that many amateurs aren't familiar with, and uh, and some are, many are perhaps also. Yeah. And that is that um, in the, right around the time of uh, 
about eight, the mid uh, 1860s, they observed a total eclipse, uh, and they looked at the spectrum, and there was uh, there was a feature in the spectrum. There was there was a uh, a feature that they didn't recognize, right? And uh, as as related to anything they'd ever found here on Earth, uh, and so they said, we don't know what that is, and so they said, well, let's give it a name mm-hmm. so that we can talk about it. You know, when we're you know publishing or whatever, this unknown line. They said, let's see. In Greek,、uh, the name for sun is Helios. Why don't we call it helium? They didn't know what it was. Right. So now you fast forward about forty years, and some researchers were researching some gas that was produced from some radioactivity. In this case, as I recall, and they found the same feature here on Earth. And they so、right. they were able to say Eureka. That thing up on the sun, ninety million miles away,、yes. that we observed and we didn't know what it was, and we named it helium. We've now found it here on Earth. That's a fascinating so, piece of history, Mike. And it, it, oh it, yeah, it's it incredible.、Is. It really is. It's a great example of how science. I remember、works. Carl Sagan and, talking about it in Cosmos. You know. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. It wasn't even discovered、exactly. on the Earth. You know. You know. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it was discovered elsewhere. It's a great example of the scientific method. And for me, you know, one of the Astonishing things. So,、uh, one thing I wanted to mention to your listeners, and that is,、uh, yeah. uh, you know, the AAS、uh, is the premier scientific research organization、uh, worldwide for astronomy. Yeah. And in the past, they've had conferences that were quite expensive to attend as an attendee. Now, we do a booth there fairly often. Right.、Uh, and、uh, I, I mean, just a, a side note on that experience. Uh, most of the exhibitors there are either large, you know, telescope manufacturers. We're talking professional-grade telescopes, or they're, you know, NASA-type organizations. And and here I come, you know, I'm a a two-person business. Right. I I don't have a PhD in astronomy,、right. unlike but you have enthusiasm. I have enthusiasm. So, yeah, so, yeah. That's true. You're very、but、noble. Still, still, I was. I it's really it's it's a little.、Uh, Intimidating to be out there、yeah. talking about some tiny telescope and what you can do.、Right. What I found was that professionals were fascinated I when I showed them what was possible. Because you're like the、um, seed. You're like the one that's planting the seeds. You know what I mean? Well, so you know. Well, absolutely. I mean, it's for me. It's been a great deal of fun. And what I wanted to mention was the AAS has now uh, uh, a couple things.、Uh, first of all, they. Purchased Sky and Telescope. So many of your listeners are probably aware of that. Yeah. Uh, uh, several months ago,、uh, maybe late last year, and uh, and they could they、uh, again they understand as you said that Sky and Telescope and the Amateur Corps is is a, an important function in our society for communicating science as well as a pipeline to get people interested in professional careers in astronomy. Right.、Um, and they have、uh, created a new class of attendee. Of where you can attend their conferences for much less money than the I think three or four hundred dollars it, it cost grad students and postdocs to to attend in the past. I don't recall what the price is.、Mm. I think it's on the order of forty dollars or something for a three day conference. The conference has enormous numbers of、um, presentations, and, and、uh, this year it's going to be a virtual conference this summer. Uh, and so it, it's something that you, any of your listeners could do from home.、Uh, and I, as an exhibitor there,、mm. I've、uh, <clears throat> been exposed to the tools that they are going to be using for this virtual conference. And it's going to feel, in a in a good way, like a video game. There's a virtual hallway 
that right. you can walk through. You can visit booths, and you, there'll be live presentations via Zoom and tools like that. So it's a fantastic opportunity for people to learn and and rub virtual shoulders with professionals. And and again, frankly, most、yeah. of the things that are being talked about there are way over my head.、Um, and、uh, on the <laughs> other hand. I often pick up interesting things, and I find also that the grad students who are showing their posters, yeah, because、um, that's part of the grad student process on the way to a, a doctoral, is they will oftentimes create a poster of the research and take it and and display it. And you can walk up、uh, even in a virtual reality、uh, like the coming conference. You、mm-hmm. can walk up and and、uh, and you can ask them questions, and they're all too happy to answer. And in in my case. I get to I get to tell them. Look, I don't have a clue what your poster is talking about, <laughs> but I'd like to understand. And then they're they're excited to be able to talk about what they're、I、doing.、Know. So it's a win-win. They do. They want to share that passion and 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 get that sense of interest from others. It does make it more. It, there's nothing worse than, you know, not to have a negative、uh, tone, but it's just. That is one of the things, and it, you know, when I'm observing, I like when people share that deep and, you know, enthusiasm. If it's not there, it doesn't give you that momentum to to show them more. You know what I mean? Exactly. You need that. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's like food. Well, the people. You know? Well,、uh, I agree. I mean, I think that.、Uh, so again, just just to finish up on that,、uh, it's, it's not that it's an advertisement for them, but because I've enjoyed going so much, I thought a lot of your listeners might also.、Yeah. It's the American Astronomical Society. Yeah. And、uh, they can just Google that and and check out their conference that's coming this year,、uh, this summer is when it will be. But、uh, to get back to what you were saying, Daniel, I think you're right, and that is that.、Um, Passion goes a long way.、Yeah. Uh, fortunately for me, passion goes a long way because I, I'm not, as I said earlier, I'm not an astrophysicist. I think a lot of people、sure. think that to to do amateur science requires that we know a lot of math and a lot of the astrophysics and a lot of the chemistry, and、uh, that's just not the case. It's、right. very easy to get started.、Um, I, one of the things I wanted to mention because I think a lot of us. Think that,、uh, and it's true that learning new software、yeah. uh, is really burdensome, and and I feel that way too. I sit down to a new piece of software generally、sure. with great, great、uh, concern that my day is not going to be a pleasant one. Right.、Uh, one of the things I did with my software, because、uh, I was a, a professional software developer for the last thirty or forty years、uh, in a different industry, and. One of the things that we learned in that, and that I've now carried forward, and that is that tutorial videos、uh, really are an incredibly powerful learning experience.、Uh, and so, what I've done with my product uh, is, uh, whenever I do a new release, yeah,、uh, I create tutorial videos. And I'll tell you, the videos for people who、uh, haven't made these kinds of videos. They're really time-consuming to make. It takes me. Oh yeah. I, I'm I'm almost embarrassed to say this number because it's so unrealistic. Except it's what everybody else tells me it should take because that's、sure. what it takes them. It takes between one and two hours per minute of finished video. Yeah. Now it's it's one thing to sit down and have a fireside chat where you just sort of chat and go, oh, let's go look at this. But a, a video that、uh, has a, a script and has annotations and is designed、uh, to be educational, so it takes advantage of the various methodologies that video offer and the different learning styles that people have. So I'd encourage people to、uh, to think about、uh, that when they're thinking about any software they get, and that is taking advantage. None of us like to read; we're all in too big a hurry. Right.、Uh, take a, take advantage、society. of the. 
yeah, especially. Uh, oh, I was going to say, except for right now, people seem to have a little more time. I know it, it is weird how it has. <laughs> yeah, it's totally taken a change to astronomy. A lot of more family-oriented uh, uh, yeah activities definitely. going on now. Yep. Now, one of the other things that people do uh, in spectroscopy, we, we were talking about the sun earlier and and uh, helium, uh, and that is. There are uh, devices, uh, and uh, I think Woodland sells them. It's the L high res light, right. which is a solar spectrometer. Right. This is a really amazing device. Yeah. Uh, I've got one here. It's it sits on a, on just a camera That's tripod. That's right. It doesn't require any tracking. Yeah. It doesn't require. It, I mean, it literally it, it fits in a tiny briefcase. That's almost right. Like a doctor's bag. I had the used fortunate to opportunity and, to use one over at Nightfall in Borrego Springs and. I think Steve Ramson was there at one point, or if I recall. But uh -huh. God, it just looked like a layer of—it was unbelievable what you could see. You know, it's yeah, it's it, it's really easy to operate. And you mentioned Steve Ramson, and and he's certainly well worth mentioning. He yeah. is a real evangelist know, uh, yeah. and popularizer uh, and giver. Yeah. He just gives himself. He, he gives, does gives, tons gives. of his time. Yeah, he's amazing. And he's so yeah. knowledgeable. You know, you look at him, he looks like a truck driver. <laughs> you know? I, always, I always tease him that when we, we, I've had lunch with him on a couple of occasions. But the knowledge that comes oh, yeah. out of him, he's a really brilliant guy, you know. And and he he loves I mean he loves doing sidewalk astronomy and and I again I would encourage any of your listeners who have thought you know for example I live in Seattle I can't do sidewalk astronomy because in the summer when it's warm enough and clear yeah. enough the sun doesn't set till after nine o'clock right. at night so well actually I don't know what sunset is but it's not dark here right well after right during the summer absolutely so but but the cool thing about solar work, whether it's using a Lunt telescope uh, or some of the other uh, manufacturers. Uh, um, Mead's got uh, also a, a telescope name, which I can't recall right now, is solar observing is, is, is yeah, you're probably thinking of the solar so max. To all, I, yeah. That's right. Solar max is is, uh, is one of them. And they um, the thing about solar observing is, of course, you can do it during the daytime. So you can engage tremendous more more people. But uh, to augment, if you're doing solar work now, and solar is 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 really easy and really uh, exciting. Yeah. But to augment that, the uh, the L high res light spectrometer, uh, if you have a couple people out, uh, so somebody can be standing next to it, helping people observe the colors of the rainbow yeah. that you see of the spectrum inside of this, and there's a little lever on it that you just pivot. And it goes through the entire rainbow, and you can see all these absorption lines, and some of which you you can see sodium, you can see magnesium, you can see the hydrogen bomber yeah, line. Amazing. But the main thing that the public likes is, and I have to agree, the colors are literally otherworldly. Yeah. They're very, very different than when you see them on paper. And uh, so that that in itself, as an outreach uh, um, yes. tool. Absolutely. is is an exciting one it is. i mean uh, solar solar prominences solar sunspots when they're visible are right. great fun but there's always a spectrum that you can look at on the sun even if the sun isn't active yeah. in, in visual and we take surface. it for granted but if you dig deep into something like this it can be extremely fascinating you know yeah i think that the thing that excites me is to see how responsive the public can yeah. be and uh just a quick story here uh I was uh, the first time I was going out with solar telescopes. I tried. Most people were familiar with the uh, Pike Place Market here in Seattle. It's our iconic tourist right. attraction, and I set up down there and uh, uh, 
Side note, the first time I set up, I got shooed away by the market police who said that I needed a license to be a busker, to be, you know, selling access to music or whatever. Right. And I said, no, this is all free. <laughs> they said, you can't be here. There's too much competition for sidewalk space, but you can go across the street. So I went across the street and I was I was observing. And and, you know, there's a lot of a lot of people showing up at the market and uh, but also there's also some street people hanging out. It's uh, it's a place where uh, people who don't have much to do can spend right. their time. And guy was had sort of been watching me and uh, and he came over and, and it was clear he was a street person. Right. Uh, and he said, can I look through your telescope at the sun? Yeah. I, I was a little nervous. And I said, yeah, sure. So he sat down and he looked and I was, you know, it takes, sometimes you have to let people spend a sure. moment trying to find what they're looking for in the eyepiece. And, and he looked and he asked a question like, you know, or I told him something. And then he paused and he looked up at me and he said, how did you learn about this? Wow. And at that moment, it was a very poignant moment for me because, right. uh, again, the opportunities that all of us have had, many of us have had, uh, who certainly when I say all of this, I mean, most of those of you who made it this thus right. far through this, this podcast have had opportunities in life. This guy hadn't had the same opportunities that I had had. And I felt, I really felt a responsibility, uh, to give back. And I found that, Certainly. uh, this guy reminded me of that in a very deep manner. And that's and nice. So I'd encourage people. That's nice. Yeah, it was really, it was a really but, you know, moment. it's interesting because I do feel, you know, I've worked with the public for many years, you know, I've done uh, countless star parties, you know, house calls to do set up scopes and stuff. Mm -hmm. I do. People do want to know. They're curious. They just don't. It's an unusual industry. It's very small. Our industry Our, we, yeah. you, we, you yes. and I both know that. But I think when it's presented to some people, they're like, wow, they are fascinated by it. But they just don't know where they don't know what they don't know. They don't know where to begin. They don't know who to talk to. <laughs> you know, it's uh, that's it's right. a lot to take in. It's a, and it's a, it's a universal interest in the sense that it's a little bit of a pun, but in the yeah. sense that the sky is always available yeah. to everybody, not a dark sky, but uh, everybody uh, relates to the sky and is curious about the sky. Uh, and so it is something that we um we share in humanity, every, everybody's interested. Well, if it makes you feel any better, oh, I, I was, you know, going back to 3C273, not to get sidetracked here, but it is yeah. one of my top 10, it is in my list of top 10 favorite objects of all time to, to observe. And I think wow. I saw it, it was in a 10 inch reflector that I saw it visually in an eyepiece. And it looks like a little miniature, mm -hmm. it, the, the outline of the star pattern looks like a little miniature Cassiopeia constellation. If you know exactly where mm -hmm. to look, and to to to, yeah. to see that point of source of light, yes. knowing what it is, you know, that just yes. is unfathomable. It blows me away to know how far yeah. I'm seeing away. It's just unfathomable. And then for you to just take a, you know, from to be able to take affordable equipment and then break it up into something, that's an that's it yeah. takes an, even another step, you know. But well, it is. I mean. I agree. Well, I mean, you're looking when when we look through our telescopes, photons that have been traveling yeah. for you know millions or billions of years are finally yeah, I know. finding their, their right? home. In right, before eyes. dinosaurs, you know, and it's like oh my god, yeah, that's right. And so, but to to then realize that an additional, in addition to that aesthetic appreciation that we get observing visually, yeah. that that those photons contain in, encoded in them in the way that they are as if yeah. arranged 
is information that we can extract by just screwing a little grating onto our telescope is is really just exciting to me. It it, it's it's because it is. It's almost like it's encrypted in there. Of course, it's, it's it is hidden in the sense yeah. that it's but and easily extractable. And to me, when I think about science and the progression of science right. by by humanity. Yeah. Uh, we really, and I really felt this when I when I've attended the professional astronomy conferences, that there's this great human endeavor that has been going on for literally thousands of years, where we're trying to understand right. the world because of the benefits, both uh, aesthetic, philosophical, as well as survival. Right. And in this, it's this huge edifice. We are literally, or not literally, we are standing on the shoulders of giants. Yeah. So many countless generations before us, and so by understanding a little bit of that progression over the last 150 or 200 years, and how it is that we've come to understand so much about the stars, they say that um, more than 80 percent. I I don't know how you confirm this without delving into all the research publications, yeah. but more than 80 percent of the professional publications in the astronomy world use spectroscopy in some way right and these days if i'm reading a sky and telescope or an astronomy sure. magazine or or something online and they mention spectroscopy even though i don't <laughs> i don't have the equipment right. they have being able to understand what it is they did uh, and uh, frankly a lot of people I, i suppose if i was really a good marketing and salesman i wouldn't say this a lot of people get into spectroscopy for a couple of years two three years they experiment with it they learn a lot they they may be very enthusiastic and then they go okay that's part of my toolkit i'll come back to that but i'm not going to do it full time i'm going to do some imaging i'm going to do some right. outreach it becomes just one of the things right. they do now some small subset maybe it's 10 20 30% who knows right. actually decide you know i'm going to take the next step i'm going to invest some more money in this i'm going to learn how to use the higher end equipment uh like the uh the slit spectrometers and they continue on in it there's room for yeah. both but it's not like it's a lifetime commitment fortunately for such a little bit of, of money for you know a few hundred dollars somebody can try it out even and this is i think the exciting thing is there are a lot of people using dslrs today to photograph the sky i mean you take one look at youtube and the kinds of of, of videos that people are publishing and there's a huge audience for people who they have a dslr they want to take some nice night sky images and they do that they, you know maybe they get a tracking what are some of those uh, inexpensive tracking mounts that you can oh they have a sky the trackers by skywatcher there's also the or, you know the star yeah. venture from skywatcher and then the sky tracker from ioptron those two generally are the most popular right and those they're, they're what you can get them for 300 two, bucks yeah, 300 bucks they have a mini one yeah. you can get for a couple hundred bucks and, you know It's affordable. Yeah, so you Definitely. put it's affordable. You put it on a tripod, you throw your DSLR on it and you take amazing views of the Milky yeah. Way and it's just gorgeous views of the sky. The cool thing is is you can take a star analyzer yeah. grading. Uh and we have we sell a little that's thread right. adapter that Threads just goes on the front of the lens, right? And then you have the provision to put the star right. analyzer inch and a quarter on there, right? Yeah. Exactly. Remember that. You know, because a lot of cap Yeah, the lens cap threads on the front of yeah. the camera uh are on well Canon cameras for example they're 58 millimeters we sell a little adapter that threads onto yeah. that and then accommodates an inch and a quarter uh star analyzer uh, diffraction yeah. grading and then using the same equipment we just described just incredibly yeah. 
good spectra could be captured. Right. So it doesn't even take a big telescope. Now it's a small aperture device, so you're not going to image a quasar or yeah, or of course, a of distant course. object. But but there's still plenty of interesting science yeah. that could be done. The other thing that we found is that this kind of thing, whether it's with a DSLR or a small uh, small telescope. Uh, is a great science project. Now, some of your listeners may be parents looking for, uh, you know, topics for uh, a teenager to do some sort of long-term yeah, of science project over a few months. This is a perfect <clears throat> opportunity, perfect yeah. activity. Uh, I've coached a lot of lot of high school students over the years and college students. I'm working with a grad student right now uh, who is uh, doing spectroscopy and just using a very inexpensive camera and and. Uh, you know, it's it's a, a simple simple project uh, that uh, does not require. It's not it's not like uh, the kinds of super high end projects that we sometimes mm -hmm. see. This is a project that is uh, maybe I underestimate it because I'm familiar with the topic. Yeah, it's <laughs> always possible. But I found a lot. And anybody who's taken high school physics or high school yeah. chemistry is equipped uh, intellectually uh, right. to handle the kinds of things that are necessary yeah. here. And the great thing is about you guys is your your organization coaches people, you know, helps people get started, uh, get the equipment that they would need to do this kind of yeah. thing, whether it's a Skywatcher yeah. tripod or a DSLR, whatever the tools are. You, that you'd they be surprised. Um, that, yeah, and, we, ha we have so many enthusiasts that do have interest in spectroscopy. We have sold tons of Shellyak, tons. Uh, great company mm -hmm. to work with, great quality products, and the star mm -hmm. analyzers. We've sold tons of those things. Yeah. Neat. Well, good. Listen, um, uh, any other questions for No, me? except for one thing less, and I'll leave you alone. Um, I, I think it was a seminar I watched with you, and I think you were talking about R.R. Leary stars and globular clusters, I think it was. I remember reading about yeah. the atmospheres. You know, one part of the atmosphere is going in, the other is going out. And I remember you. I think it had. I think it was you. And there was some video where you could actually see it in in fast time. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. It just floored time. me when I saw it, that visually because I never really took the time. I right, read more it, about it and visualized it, but then to see it on a video blew me away. But I just wanted to tell you that. It right. So it, oh, I'm yeah. glad you saw that. I mean, the the, the science behind it is pretty simple, and that is uh, just just like a. Uh, white flame is hotter than a yes. red flame on a, in a campfire the same thing goes yeah. for stars and with a with a star analyzer grading uh you can see by the shape of the curve what the color of the star is and know something about its temperature and that's what you were just describing these uh our yeah. stars uh they change uh in temperature yeah. they're periodically uh, yeah. changing and you can actually see the yeah. curve Spectrum over a, over just a period of yeah. an evening you can see the color change yeah it's it is exciting i'm yeah. glad you, you saw that yeah. because it's again that's the kind of immediate yeah. excitement uh, as, as you know whether uh there's not a lot of scientific phenomena that yeah. change uh outside of the planets over a period of an evening and this is one of the ones that does it and that in itself would make a great well tom project. i appreciate all your time man and you know don't you know keep that enthusiasm and imagination the imagination is the key i think that was one of einstein's quotes you know so great tom thanks good. so well, much thank for joining you. the really program we'll be in touch man it's really a pleasure thanks so much good.